It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning, good afternoon. Welcome back to Small Besties. You are going to love today's episode. Today, we are joined by Mackenzie, who is a gold medal Paralympian. Not only that, but at this last games in Tokyo, she's actually the team captain too. She's also a newly published author and is going to law school next year. So she just has so many cool things going on. And so I love today's conversation with her because she really sheds light on her perspective of getting through all these things, accomplishing all that she's accomplished because with her brittle bone disease, you know, she has unexpected roadblocks all the time. She never knows when a bone's going to break. She even says in today's interview how she's broken every single bone at least once. And so to be able to hear that and to be like, oh, and then the next week you were up and doing something else, or then you somehow like fought through this injury and you're still such an accomplished athlete. Like there's just so much to her story that you're going to learn that you can apply to your own life. So we do talk about the unexpected roadblocks. We talk about the process of actually becoming a para-athlete versus the process of able-bodied athletes. We also hear about her reflecting on her whole career and just inspiring stories from her times in Tokyo, what an extra year of training looked like when things kept getting delayed and delayed. And so I think that you will get a lot out of today's conversation. You're gonna love Mackenzie too. And with that, let's get started. What's up and welcome to the Live Your Personal Best podcast. This is the place where I help current and former athletes like you to show up confidently in the gym and in life. I'm your host, Emily Kaufman, a former Division I athlete and author of Elite to Everyday Athlete. I'm going to show you how to stay motivated in reaching your goals and how to have more fun doing it. So let's sweat it out and start living your personal best. Hey guys, today we are joined by Mackenzie. She's a professional swimmer, public speaker, disability advocate, and author. She started swimming during aqua therapy to help with her osteogenesis imperfecta, also known as brittle bone disease. It wasn't long after her brother's joint swim, though, that she decided that her days in the baby pool were over, and she made the first Paralympic national team at age 15 in 2012, has been a part of Team USA ever since. I'm so excited that you're joining us today. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, first of all, congrats on Tokyo. (laughs) Thank you. I actually, I have a little surprise for you. So I brought them out today and I figured I'd bring them on. So these are my two new accessories. People listening, you can't see these, but I had my um, gold medal, my silver medal from Tokyo. So I had to bring them out today. (laughs) Those are bigger than I could have even imagined. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, there's one of the, um, I'm in my building in Baltimore right now. And um, one of the people that I know came in and they were like holding them. They're like, oh my God, these are so heavy. I was like, I know it's crazy. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I know that these weren't your first Olympics. You're already a record holder, uh, but tell us about it. How were they this year? You know what? Absolutely incredible. And okay. So with the pandemic and everything, I think back in 2020, when you know, before we knew that the games were going to be postponed, there was so much fear that they were just going to cancel them outright. And I really, I was thinking back to my experiences in London in 2012 and Rio in 2016, and just being so grateful that I had those experiences, you know, just in case something like that would happen, which would have been absolutely devastating. But, you know, when they got postponed, I think we all kind of, kind of breathed like a sigh of relief and everything. And then to finally, after so many months after that, like, oh my God, like, I still hope they go on, like, let's, let's keep on this, but they finally happened. And I think that there was just such an air of gratefulness, like going into these games that I don't think I had ever experienced before. And a lot of my teammates hadn't experienced that. So just even being able to be there in Tokyo was a, was a huge gift. And it's funny, people ask me all the time now, they're like, how, like, how is this just so different from other games? I said, well, the funny thing is every games I've been to, like comparing my experiences, every games is a little bit different than the one before. And there's all these, you know, amazing different qualities to each one. So though Tokyo was very different with, you know, no spectators and the, you know, kind of social distancing protocols in the village, that was obviously different from any other games, but it was the same kind of experience, you know, all the volunteers made it amazing. And I tell you, Tokyo really put on and incredible games, the best that they possibly could. And I am very grateful. That's an awesome way to describe it. You know, after so long of waiting, it's like, I'm grateful now that it's even happening because yeah, it was so unknown. But how is that extra year of training? Was that something that you were like, oh, this is easy. I got this. Or was it something that was kind of like tough to push through? You know, I think at the time, I'll never forget the morning that I woke up because like a week before they confirmed it was postponed, there was just like a lot of talk about it and like rumors and everything. And that was in the media, but also around our national team, you know, you get a text from so-and-so being like, I think it's going to happen, like, or I don't think it is. So it was kind of funny, but I remember I woke up to a text from my coach and it had um, cause I went home to Georgia cause I've been training in Baltimore since 2014. So I went home to Georgia when everything got crazy in March of 2020. So I was asleep. I wasn't training. I didn't have access to a pool. And I woke up from a text from my coach and, um, had like a media link and it said, absolutely like confirmed like the postponement. I just remember sitting there thinking for a second, I was like, okay, like got to look on the bright side of it. Like it's postponed. Like that means there's still a chance that it's going to happen, but it did kind of hit me for a second. I was like, that's an extra year tacked on to everything else. And I think the thing that people tend to forget about athletes, a lot of us, we have lives and we have jobs outside of our sport. And I was thinking about that. I've always wanted to go to law school and I was like, okay, like I've taken the LSAT, you know, I graduated from college in 2018, everything's set, but I'm going to take another year until I can do that. So I think that there were just a lot of external things I was thinking about. And then it kind of hit me when I was laying, I probably laid up, laid there and like stared at my phone and talked to my coach for like an hour. And it kind of hit me. I, I thought to myself, okay, I have two ways to look at this next year. I can look at it as something that's a burden and something that, oh my God, I have to train like another year. Like I have been, I don't even have water right now, or I can look at it as an opportunity. So 
you know, I took that time out of the water before I found access to a pool to, you know, work on other things. I worked a lot on my strength and lift and sports psychology and mental training. I did all of that. And then, you know, I just took another year to keep preparing to apply to law school. And that was really good for me. But yeah, I think sometimes, you know, it seems a little daunting looking back on it now because I got in that mindset and I just I did what had to be done. But crazy to think that we waited an extra year. Yeah, no, because as you said, you know, you had this law school coming up and you're like, now I have to postpone everything, right? Like, it's almost like putting your life on pause for a year. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, that's crazy. But I love that you're able to, you know, like find the positives out of it. And at least it sounds like it did work really well for you, which is great to hear. Um, But also, you know, with your disability too, you have broken bones a lot, something that you can't really plan for, but you kind of know that it might happen. So I'm sure that you're kind of used to like these setbacks and stuff. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with like these unplanned for like roadblocks in your way? Yes. So I think I've broken like a total. We always try to guesstimate. And I will always say that my greatest regret in life is not keeping track of all of them. But I always tell myself like that would have been impossible because I break things all the time without knowing it. Like it's just a part of my life. Um, And people ask me all the time, they're like, how do you handle that? Like when you're hurt, like, aren't you afraid? And I'm like, you know, it's something that came with with the territory and how I am. And it's something that, yeah, it's a weird part of my life, but it's something that's just there. And I've dealt with it since day one, you know, I was diagnosed at 19 days old. And before I was even born, I had, you know, a broken femur in utero with my mom. So something that literally since day one, I've been dealing with. And I think whenever something comes up, it's always, I think when I found out about the postponement, I actually use those tools I developed over dealing with this my entire life. And I, I told myself, okay, it's okay to have a moment of, oh my God, how am I going to do this? But it's important to be able to look for the bright side of things and look for a way to make it something productive. It's not so much of something that happened to me as it is something that maybe happened for me. How can I make the absolute best out of this situation? And I also think that, you know, I, I will always say the toughest thing to break is your femur not only because it is like the most painful and I can say this because I've broken like everything, but I think like a broken femur is one of the toughest things to get through. And I always tell myself, okay, if I can do that and then return back to swimming less than a week after it happening, I feel like I can get through anything. So I think it's just utilizing all that I've learned and being able to look for the bright side of things and, and come at it with a productive perspective. Like, Hey, how am I going to face this? How am I going to get through it and and keep pushing forward? Yeah. Wow. So you don't even take that long off to recover for it. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, not at all. I um this one time I like broke my back doing I was like really young. I was, I was probably like 9 or 10 and I broke my back doing a flip turn. I don't know what I did. Like to this day I still don't know what I did. And I got out of the water and I was like, "Oh yeah, mom, like my, my back kind of hurts." And she's like, "Oh, okay." So we took like ibuprofen for 2 days. Like I kept swimming. And we didn't find it until many months later, I was going into like routine x-rays and they were like, you literally broke L5. Like we can see it on the x-ray, like it's still not healed. And I was like, oh, is that what that was? Huh, that's interesting. I thought I pulled a muscle. So it's like funny things like that that are like super abnormal. But to me, it's just like the most normal thing in the world. Yeah, you're like, this is just what I felt. I knew that there's something uncomfortable, but like no big deal. <laughs> exactly, just another day in the life. <laughs> 
That's crazy. And so I'd love to know more about the Paralympics and everything too. Like, is this something that you had always had a goal for, or is it maybe not as accessible as able-bodied swimming? Yeah, it's funny. So when I made the transition, so, you know, like you said, I was in aqua therapy at first and my brothers were just being drugged to the pool. So my mom put them on the swim team. So I was still in aqua therapy for a little while after that. And I remember just looking over there. I was so irritated because I said, like, I'm in the baby pool. Like, I want to be over there with them. Like, I can beat them. Like, let me try it. And um, so that's when we did it. So I spent like the first two or three years doing age group swimming. I had no idea that the Paralympics or something that even existed. And I think that's kind of that's kind of sad to me looking at, I mean, it just shows you how much progress that the movement has made up until this point. Like so many people obviously have seen it on TV. You know, we've had unprecedented coverage the past two Paralympic games and it's so, it has so much exposure now, but back then I had no idea what it was. And so I was just going about my business. I was actually a very good age group swimmer. I would go and I would go out and win events like a year or two in against able-bodied kids. So I was really moving up in the ranks. I was doing a great job. And I remember I had just swam, um, I'm a distance swimmer. And so I think every distance swimmer can relate to this. So I swam like the 500, the 1000, the 1650, and then every long event you could possibly imagine. And um, every distance swimmer can always like pinpoint it back to like their very first long event. So I had just swum my first 500 freestyle and that's 20 laps in a yards pool. And I was so proud of myself. I was like eight years old. I got out of the water and I was with my mom. And then all of a sudden I look over and there's two officials approaching us. I'm like, oh dear God, like, how do you, first off, how do you get DQ'd in freestyle, let alone a 500? But I can tell you if there's a way to do it, like I probably did it. They came up to me and I was for sure, I was like looking at my mom, like with this fear in my eyes. I was like, oh my God, they're going to tell me I got disqualified. Like, great. And they said, have you ever heard of the Paralympics? And I was like, just relieved I didn't get disqualified. I was like, what's that? Like, I know about the Olympics. Like, what are you talking about? They go, no, the Paralympics. So, you know, my mom and I, we went home and we Googled it and I saw Jessica Long and Aaron Popovich and people with disabilities like me winning gold medals for Team USA. And I said to my mom, I'm going to do this and I'm, I'm going to win a gold medal one day. And you know, mom's just sitting there and she's like, okay, like, let's, let's do it. Let's try. I mean, she's so supportive with everything I've ever done and I'm just crazy. So she was like, okay, let's go for it. But that's how I found out about para. Yeah, that, that's so interesting. So you're like, yeah, I'm just going to compete with everyone else and you're doing well there. And then there's this whole world that you didn't even know about so in swimming competitions are there different like divisions where it's the paralympic events or are they completely different competitions what does that look like yeah so basically um a para swimmer we usually start out it's very rare but maybe it's not as rare nowadays but like back in my time when i got involved um kind of the gateway to get into paralympic swimming you always started on an age group team which is what i did and then by luck, you were kind of discovered at able body meets by people who already had connections to para swimming. 
Um, nowadays, there's a lot of really great resources that will actually go out and find disabled athletes and then get them involved into like a para swimming team. So I feel like it's a little bit more like streamlined now than it was when I was kind of growing up and getting into it. Um, but the thing that I love, there's a lot of developmental camps now, and a lot of the national team athletes will get to go out and meet with the kids and kind of get them involved or bring our medals, which is always really fun for them to see what could be possible. So as far as swim meets go, a lot of the swimmers, whether a lot of the para swimmers, whether they started on an age group team or just started out with a Paralympic swimming team, will go to able-bodied swim meets around their state and maybe even sometimes around the country and compete there. And then when you start getting up to national level events, um, that's where you have a bit of like difference and like separate meets. So there's Paralympic swimming nationals, which obviously it's para swimming. So only swimmers with a disability, no able-bodied athletes. And that's where you can kind of, you know, start making national teams or start making Can-Am times to go to Canada and compete there internationally. Like that's a great first international experience right there. So a little bit of able-bodied meets with some para swimmers, and then you, you kind of get more up there and you're just competing against para swimmers as, as you start to move forward and progress. And that's awesome. And, you know, being able to go back, you know, as you said, like showing off the gold medals and like encouraging others of like, look, I did this too. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think that is my favorite part of it. Just like meeting the new up and comers and being able to bring the medals out and show them because I tell you, I, I feel like so when I was in Tokyo, I was actually team captain and great, probably the greatest honor of my entire life to serve in that role on a games team, like incredible. But I remember I was telling a lot of the athletes after games were over something that I feel like I would have really benefited from hearing back in 2016, because, you know, medals are great and we love to win them and they're shiny and they're pretty and they're heavy and they're so much fun. But at the end of the day, a medal is not going to make or break you as a person. It's not going to make someone like you more. It's not going to make you know, someone dislike you, it's not going to fix all the problems in your life. But I tell you, the joy in having them for me is to be able to bring them out and share them with others. Because I remember in 2016, when I got back and, you know, I, I kind of struggled a little bit mentally, I was like, you know, I have these medals, and this is the pinnacle of my sport, and I'm supposed to be so happy. And I, I really had to learn that. But I found that the joy for me was bringing it out for kids and seeing the looks on their faces and I saw one of them tell, look, they looked up and they told their mom, I'm going to have one of these one day. And it brought me back to me telling my mom that. So I think that's the joy in having them really. Yeah. No, that just gave me like goosebumps over here. Like, you know, hearing that kid with the same story that you had, that's so cool. And so now, you know, you just got back from Tokyo. Are you continuing to train? Are you hoping to make the next Olympics? Like what is your training now looking like? Yeah. So uh, nowadays I'm taking it a little bit easier. Um, You know, when I got back from these games, I think it was you know, it was a really long lead up to these games. And obviously I was, I was living out at the Olympic and Paralympic training center in Colorado Springs. So when I say that, you know, we were living, it was a great environment. You know, I love my teammates and everything, but we were definitely living in a bubble and all we did was train basically. So it was very safe, but it was a lot. So when I got back from these games, I decided to take a little bit of a break. I went on vacation, which was really nice. Um, 
but right now I'm kind of just taking it easy in training. I'm still in the pool every single day. I'm still in the weight room, but just kind of a little bit more relaxed. So I think in a couple of months I'll get back at it and, and get ready hopefully for world championships next year. But I definitely have my eyes on Paris and LA. I think those are the big goals. If I could go, it's funny because I won my gold in the 400 free. So I was, you know, repeat from Rio and I was in the media zone after and they go, you know, you just won your second gold medal in this event, like back to back. That's insane. And they were like, what are you going to do next? <laughs> I looked at them and I went, ah, gold in Paris, maybe you never know. So I think that's the big goal for the next few years. Yeah. You're like back to back to back. We'll just do it again. <laughs> I know. I was like a three P like, let's go for it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And I love, you know, we were kind of talking about it earlier too, but you're like, yeah, I'm taking it easy right now. And then you're easy as you're going to the pool and weightlifting every single day still. Yeah. You know, it's funny. And I told my dad, like, he called me not too long ago and he's like, what, like, what are you doing right now with training? I'm like, oh, I'm in the water every single day. And then there were like crickets on the other end, but I'm like, oh, but like not Sundays, like I'm actually taking off Sundays right now. So that's really good for me. (laughs) Oh, I love it. And so I'd love to talk about your book too, because you had your book come out this year. I'm breaking free, shattering expectations and thriving with ambition in pursuit of gold. What led you to want to write this book, to become an author, all of that? It's crazy because my mom and I actually like way back in the day, I had, you know, I just like, I mean, I was swimming and I just gotten into para swimming and it was funny because we were traveling all over the country and it was really amazing. And we just had all these crazy experiences. And my mom and I, from that point on, we always used to joke like, oh, we should write a book about this one day. Like nobody would believe like half the stuff that goes on. So I think it's been like in my mind for a very long time. And then in 2018, I graduated from Loyola and that was the end of my NCAA eligibility. So, you know, I got with my agent, CG Young at CG Sports Company. I'll never forget on our first phone call, he was like, what do you want to do? Like, what are your goals? And I had like this big long list in front of me, you know, I was talking about them. And at the end, I was like, do I say it? Do I not? Like, it's just so crazy big. And I said, And one day I like want to write a book, like trying to just like skim over it because he might think I'm like crazy. And then he like pauses and he goes, oh, we're going to make that happen one day. Um, So I think in 2018, I seriously started considering it. And then in 2020, I got home. I was in, I was in Georgia and he calls me and he goes, you've got time right now. Like, let's do this. And I'm like, okay, I'm all in. And I I met with my co-author and she was the perfect choice. And everything just seemed to fall into place. So I was writing the book and training. And I think one of the things breaking free actually gave me a huge gift because I have never been able to sit down and actually reflect on my life and career and how I got here. And it was a really reflective and kind of therapeutic process for me, you know, getting through the pandemic and getting through that extra year of training. And it reminded me of why I love to do this. And just being able to share my story and all that I've been through, but also thank the people along the way who have helped me get here because I would not be here today with these medals or have done any of the things I have without them. So it was just an incredible experience. And that book is a thank you to everyone who's gotten me here. That's awesome. And I never even thought about that, you know, of like using this book as a time to reflect because you're still in the middle of the process, right? And so I think that for so many people, you know, you're like, no, I'm only looking forward. I'm only looking at what's next. And it's like, well, look at how far we've come. 
Yes. And see, that's always me. I'm always looking forward to the next thing. It's crazy because you go to a big meet, like you go to a games or world championships, whatever it may be. And you're like, okay, I got through that. I did my job. Like, but now it's on to the next one. It's time to refocus and get ready for it. So I had never taken that time to truly look back and reflect on like the crazy journey that it's been. So I just thought it was the most amazing thing and being able to release it right before I left for Tokyo. And, you know, it kind of ends on a little bit of a cliffhanger because we um, finished writing it in the spring and it was like, will, and that was before we knew for sure that the games would go on. And it was like, okay, whether or not it goes on, like, this is how I'm going to handle it and we'll see what happens. So I just thought it was like, the cool, see, I want to call it a storybook ending, but it's not the ending because I'm still swimming, but what a cool way to kind of follow it up. Yeah, that is awesome. Cause I don't know if you saw the documentary that came out last summer, Weed of Gold with Michael Phelps. Okay. So I've seen a little bit of it. I actually tried to start watching it before I went to games, but it was a little intense for me. So I was like, oh, I got to turn this off. I'll come back and I'll rewatch it and finish it. But it looks, and that's still on my list. It looks amazing. Yeah, it's definitely not a pump up movie for before the games, but it talks about, you know, this idea with athletes, you know, after being in the limelight or after achieving this big goal, you know, like the rest of the world will move on so fast, right? Like the rest of the world is now like looking at the Winter Olympics, but then you're like, well, I'm still, you know, like getting over this big thing. And like, I feel like us as athletes, like we don't need to move on as fast as like everyone else does. Like you very much should celebrate. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And it's amazing that it's taken me this long to really sit down and be like, wow, like I really got to take the time after these meets and reflect because one of my goals in this book was to be really open and be really honest. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it was so much fun writing it, but there were hard parts. There were parts where I really had to like dig down deep and be like, okay, like, I wanted to be honest. So this is, this is what's going in the book. And I'm going to be honest. Like I was really vulnerable. That was probably the most vulnerable I've ever been in writing this book and sharing this with other people. Um, But being honest in what it's like to come back from a games or, you know, whether you're, you know, in college as an athlete, like coming back from NCAAs or the biggest competition that you'll ever go to or be at, it's, it's hard and it's an adjustment period. And I don't think a lot of people understand what goes into it. You train your entire life. You know, people see a couple of minutes of glory on the TV, but there's so much that goes into that. Like, you, you know how much goes into it every single day. And it's just, it's really nice and a little scary, but awesome to be able to articulate what it feels like to come back from that and kind of help and off offer others hopefully a, a guiding hand in that experience if they're going through the same things. So I, I hope that people will take that from breaking free. Yeah, no, it's awesome that you're sharing that part of it too. Because one, yeah, it's not talked about a lot. And also, like, you're very much in the middle of it still. I think that most books or most times when people reflect back, it's like when they're at the end and they've accomplished all they're going to. And they're like, okay, let's reflect now. But for you to be like in the middle of it still and being like, and now you get to follow me, right? Like you've can now see the behind and now see how that like transforms my career. Like that's incredible. I love that. I don't even, I don't think about that a lot, but I absolutely love that. And I am excited. People actually are asking me, they're like, are you going to write a second one? And I was like, "Uh, I don't know, maybe. So now I'm like constantly like jotting down notes. I like kept a journal after games and there's all kinds of things written down in it. So you never know one day there might be a (laughs) follow-up. Yeah, maybe in between law school somewhere and everything. There we go. Yeah, I just throw that in a little side project. (laughs) 
I love it. Um, well, I'd love to finish us off with if there's any one last piece of advice that you'd love to leave everyone with today. Honestly, I hope that everybody takes from this and, you know, whether it's from my swimming or my book or anything that obstacles are just an illusion. There's absolutely nothing that you can't put your mind to or accomplish with the right work ethic and determination, no matter what obstacles might be in your way. So I really hope that people take that and just follow your heart, follow your dreams. It sounds kind of corny, but it's so true. And honestly, that's how I've gotten to where I am today. Awesome. Well, I love it. Where can everyone find you, follow you, all of that? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. It's probably my favorite at Mackenzie underscore Cohen. And then I'm on Twitter with that same handle. And it's funny that I just started getting into TikTok. I have no idea what I'm doing, but you can also find me there. And I believe it's the same handle as my Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.